Well, hello and uh, welcome to Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm Andy Bannister from the Solas Centre for Public Christianity, based all the way up in Scotland in sunny Dundee. And uh, I'm flying solo today. Normally I'm joined by my effervescent co-host, Christy Mayer, but she's off doing university carol services in Cambridge or something desperately exciting. Uh, so I'm on my own, but I'm made up for that by being joined by an amazing uh, guest and uh, an old friend. Well, old in that I've known her for a while, but not old, old. Uh, I'm joined by Sharon Dirks, who is a speaker and writer uh, based at uh, Ocker, the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics, down at the other end of the country. Sharon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. In fact, I mean, you and I go quite a way back because we've both kind of written books on various things. I still remember, I think, when you and I were both talking about writing our first books, we shared an office in in Oxford. I remember sort of, sort of chiving each other on to finally get it get it written, and uh, and lo and behold, here we are now. Goodness yeah. knows how many years later. I'm not sure we wrote what we were talking about then. Who knows? But um, yes, it, it's wonderful to to have that chance and opportunity to put onto paper what God has put on on your heart, really. Um, yeah. So now, one of the books there is a there is a deliberate link and a deliberate segue here. A bad link as ever on Pep Talk. Um, one of the books you've written, you've written it before, but it's been recently released, Sharon. You've written this book called Why: Looking at God's Evil. And, uh, and and personal suffering. And I think one of the things I, I loved when I first read that book is you is you weave together, you say some some you know, theological things and some sort of quite, you know, weighty things about suffering, but it's grounded practically. It's grounded, you know, in, in the story of your family and, 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 and others. I suppose I want to begin by asking, why did you feel the need to write that particular kind of book? I wanted to dig into how it can help people who are listening to this in a moment, but why did you feel the need to write? Lots of people have written on evil and suffering what led you to feel you had something uh, sort of different to say yeah thanks andy um well i i couldn't get away from the question and and i guess none of us can really it's the it's the one question that everyone has probably asked at some point because suffering comes to us all in, in different ways. But I was also aware that any proper engagement with the topic needs to give kind of good intellectual reasons why you can still believe in God in a world of pain, but also ground that in the gritty reality of life. And so I wanted to try and hold together these two elements of kind of giving reasons or answers uh, combined with stories of people that do believe in God and yet have suffered in her, in sometimes horrendous ways. Now, I think... You know, when I when I sort of talk to when I do sort of teaching and training on on evangelism, I know you do this this a lot too, Sharon. You know, I think there's a there's a lot of fear from people out there that if I try and talk about my faith in the workplace with my friends, you know, what happens if I get pushback? And I think one of the pushback questions is in this area, right? Especially right now, we're still in that as we record this, we're still in pandemic mm. times. So you know, you thought a lot about this and had time to do that, I suppose. For somebody who's new to all this and wants to share their faith a bit more confidently, but afraid of you know being asked, okay, you believe in God. What about suffering, right? Where does somebody start? Where, where can we start responding to that if that's the the response we get from a friend or a neighbour or yeah, a colleague? That's a great question, and I think that the first thing I want to, would want to say is that you know we we need would need to sort of be mindful of the context of that relationship, whether they are they they may be a friend who just has a kind of an intellectual question that, that um, about suffering, or it may be that they have suffered deeply or are indeed in a time of 
pain or trauma and um and so the nature of the relationship will impact how you respond to that initial question for for one person it might be let's go for a coffee and you and you listen um and you know we learn a lot from from job's uh friends um you know this this most universal uh book on suffering at the start of the bible chronologically the oldest his his friends say nothing for a couple of weeks and in that time they are probably their most comforting to him um sometimes there are levels of pain that can't be captured by words uh, and i think i feel like it's really important to say that at the beginning i don't want to just come in with a trite we need to say this sometimes we need to really um learn the uh to have compassion and to really sit with people's pain and to really, as Jesus did, really enter into their their suffering and from that place um, begin to be responsive in whatever way that might be. Um, if words are necessary and we have an opportunity and we are genuinely being asked a question by a friend, then I would, you know, want to begin by asking, well, look, if God does not exist, how do we make sense of the the suffering in the world that we see? Um, and you know, we we could look to you know naturalistic explanations that that try and make sense of it. I mean, if you take the the COVID nineteen virus, well. Perhaps this is kind of, you know, one of the explanations. This is nature's way of kind of slimming down population sizes. That's what they talk about in microbiology when they've got viral populations and one starts to dominate the others. Um, that is actually to kind of keep certain populations under control. Um, but of course, that that kind of explanation doesn't really sit too well with us when you start talking about people in that way. We could also look at... Um, things like lifestyle affecting, you know, immunity um, and that sort of thing. And we could also look at, um, you know, uh, people's kind of biology impacts their behaviour in, in, in certain ways. So, you know, it's not necessarily to do with us, it's to do with sort of forces beyond our con control. And so we start, we could look to uh, explanations like that to try and explain why things around us are happening the way that they are. And, and other genetic diseases, we could say, well, you know, chance alone can, can explain why kind of one genetic disease would affect one person on the planet if there's sort of trillions of cells in the human body and billions of people on the planet, then occasionally it's going to go wrong. And so there are all kinds of things we could say from from nature that might help make sense. But it's as though when when it really comes down to it, that's not really enough. That seems to be sort of descriptive, but it's not really getting at why. Um, and when someone asks why, that begs another question, who, who are you addressing your question too and it's as though um when we ask why there's this assumption lying underneath it that there's something not right mm. and and the christian faith affirms that and says actually yes that's not something you need to skirt over or ignore the christian faith says there's something deeply wrong with the world and with human beings um and and that's uh how we sort of begin to sort of 
unpack yeah. unpack that and it's actually if god exists that you can make more sense of that rawness in the face of suffering than if he doesn't if he doesn't exist then this is just the way the world is you know it's just just yeah. the way it is oh, that's very helpful sharon i think you're right there's some real wisdom in in almost setting out the alternatives rather than just because if you just set out the christian worldview right and and, it, and people feel it doesn't quite join up for them but if you set out christianity with the atheist worldview and go look christianity despite there may be still some question marks in places um it is infinitely better than the the, the, the nearest alternative mm-hmm. um one thing i'm struck by though and i'd love your insight on this that i think one area sometimes we can get into trouble as christians is you know you've obviously set the philosophical out there and uh, and we'll talk about the personal perhaps in a moment but the questions do come sometimes of this form someone might say to us things like well you know if there's a god why did my granny die of covid mm. um and i'm struck in one sense you've given quite a good answer to why there's covid but we can't always necessarily say why this granny on this particular occurrence and is that perhaps sometimes why this is a difficult question because trying to connect the, the personal and the, right. the meta level yeah. and sometimes where things go wrong. So do we need to be careful about what we can say and what we can't say? I absolutely, yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, and I think that there are some things that we can say um, that are that are helpful in offering a framework as to why this, you know, why suffering exists in general. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have all of the answers. And I think that it's really important to remember that suffering is is deeply mysterious um, and we don't lose that element of mystery by giving answers and reasons and actually why this person has suffered in this way and why this person has or hasn't is is something that it becomes very hard to answer and I think that's where I would want to be actually saying, look, I don't necessarily understand why what's happening to you is happening, but I want to be with you in it. And and that's where we really kind of get to the heart of the Christian faith. And and actually if we look even look back to this book of, of Job that, you know, Job is asking all of these dozens and dozens of questions and his friends are kind of assuming that he is suffering because he's done something wrong and God is displeased with him. Christian faith is really clear that that is not the case that we're not suffering as a punishment from God. That That is not um, what we see in Scripture, and that is not the, the Judeo-Christian God. Um, but and actually, um, he isn't given an ultimate reason uh, for his suffering, but he is given a relationship. He's, he's given a person, and, and God, you know, ends up, asking him many questions as well and and actually that that really is the heart of the, of the christian response is that um sometimes we we never completely understand why things have come to us in the way that they have we know that the world is broken we know that we're all caught up in it and beyond that we know that there is um, a God who has come to meet us in our suffering, and the reason we know that is because Jesus entered history as we're as we're remembering again at Christmas, and entered our broken world, and actually through His own suffering, made a way for us to be never alone in ours. Um, and so, that that is really the the heart of what what the hope that we have to share with people 
in their suffering, that you, whatever you're facing, you actually never need to face it alone because there's a God that loves you, that knows you, that has stepped out of eternity into human history to be with you in it, to walk with you and give you strength that you never knew you had and hope that you never knew was possible, even in the most bleak of situations. And um, and so I suppose, you know, there's a sense in which giving answers, it does slightly run its course and you end up at a place where you, you're commending a person to somebody who is in pain. Um, but that's the, the best thing that we can possibly do. Well, that's a that's a good link to, to something else I, I thought would be really helpful to, to talk about for a few minutes, Sharon. You know, we've talked about some ways that you, you know, one could address the questions and things I think that Christians can uniquely say and that can be helpful for perhaps you know having that in you know folks listening to us having this in the background because that gives you confidence when when talking to others in case the question comes up but i think the other place i know it can be hard in terms of evangelism how do we you know in your experience how do we perhaps begin broaching the question of god with those who are suffering i think that can be a really tricky one if you've got friends who are suffering perhaps somebody who's had a bereavement or or a job loss or perhaps a health diagnosis you know, there can almost ironically be a tendency for Christian, a temptation for Christians to step back and go, oh gosh, I wouldn't want to wade in my size 10s. But actually Christianity and the gospel has something unique to say in that yeah. in that situation. How do we bridge that gap when there's real suffering? And like we said at the start, one of the things I appreciate about your book, you've got those stories of personal suffering, both in terms of, you know, your own family and the experiences you've been through and, yeah. and others. So how do we how do we talk to those who are not just theoretically, they are suffering themselves? Yeah, I think that's a, <clears throat> a great, a great um question and a, and a great challenge for us and I guess I come back to the the heart of um, the mission of God he didn't just send us information he didn't just send us kind of tools he actually came himself to us as Jesus Christ and and so I think the first thing that we can do uh, if we have a friend in pain is be present with them um, be prepared to sit with them um, be prepared to um, be family to them, have them come to be, you know, in your home or, or whatever is the, the the right or appropriate thing. And obviously all of the practical help of, of meals and helping with their children and and soaking all of that in, in prayer. Um, and I think, I think also not, um, we have the temptation to try and offer our interpretation of people's events, uh, our interpretation of why something is happening to other people. You know, this lovely phrase that, that we trot off, things happen for a reason. It, actually, that can add to somebody's suffering. Sometimes I think that there's a case for waiting for the questions to come to you, but they may not come in the thick of the suffering. When someone is is, is struggling, they are um, you know, not necessarily asking their questions in th- at that point, they're in kind of survival mode or shock. But maybe they come they come later. Um, but yeah, so I think it's waiting for those those questions to come and then being ready with some some questions to to ask in response. And one that I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, if if um, if God doesn't doesn't exist, how would you make sense of what's happening um, to you? What kind of when you think about God, what sort of God do you picture? Because sometimes in people's minds, eye, they're thinking of a 
a vindictive God who's actually quite happy about their trauma when that couldn't actually be further from the truth that God kind of grieves with us. And, uh, and so sometimes it's um, waiting for an opportunity to, to put forward the kind of God that we understand uh, God to be and, and to kind of address any misunderstandings that they might have about the nature and character of God. Um, and just, I think, being prepared to kind of walk with people over the medium to long term as well and, and journeying with them in their questions and recognising that they would have different questions at, at different times. Hmm. That's, that's a very helpful and practical advice in there. Thanks for that, uh, Sharon. Do you think it's, um, is there a place for personal testimony in this too, if one has been through suffering one oneself as a, as a Christian? Is there a way that you can weave that story, yes. do you think, appropriately into what you say to somebody else? Absolutely. Um, I mean, of course, we, we have to avoid the danger of, um, I know exactly what you're going through, because everyone's suffering is different and unique. And I think finding a way to uphold the dignity of the sufferer by saying, okay, I might have experienced something similar, but I don't know exactly what it's like for you to go through what you're going through. But here are some things that I have found to be helpful along the way. And here's my story. And here's the difference that Jesus made in my story. And that's, um, as you say, partly why I included stories in, in my book on suffering. And sometimes then giving someone a book has been helpful. I I was at an event a few weeks back and um, somebody came up to me and said, I, I gave your book to um, a mum whose two-year-old drowned. And I was just completely taken aback by that and just slightly knocked for six, actually. And it was the beginning of the day. And um, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, um, I, you know, would never have expected that that could be helpful. But um, in my book is is a story of, of a two year old that, that dies. And so um, there is a, um, some comfort in kind of reading the stories of other people and seeing how they have come through uh, and they're still on their feet, uh, thanks to God and the prayers of people. So I do, I absolutely think that testimony story is helpful and, and can help pull people through and give them hope. Yeah, I think, I think hope is the, is the key thing, right? I've got a, I've got a, you know, I've had a couple of friends over the years who've been through through cancer and have have talked about the you know, opportunity that's given them when on, you know, when in, when in hospital, even you know, being treated to talk to other patients about the question of hope. Where do you find where do you find hope yeah. Yeah. Uh, when there's when there's suffering? Yeah. Um, yeah, we're running out of time, Sharon. But one, one last question I wanted to to ask. This is always yeah. you know hugely encouraging when, when people can can hear this uh, this this kind of thing. Is yeah. have you got any examples, perhaps, or stories of how you know, conversations or a conversation that you've had around this theme with with somebody and how you brought this to bear. Because we talked a little, we 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 started theoretically, and I'd love to end practically. And I know, like me, you spend huge amounts of time talking to people about questions of faith. So, have you got any examples of you know you could share of of, of perhaps how you've navigated one of these these conversations? Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I um very often after um kind of speaking on the subject um. And even after speaking on on uh, the subject of of uh, neuroscience, people still come up and 
uh, I had someone come up and, and, um, you know, tell me that their, um, their, their son had been in a, um, a vegetative state for, for a number of years, um, after a, yeah, an incident. And I think my, my, my primary, uh, job at that point was to listen, um, and to, um, to, to ask them uh, what they have found, uh, what what they f- have found to be helpful, what they uh, think that they need. Do they have uh, a church family that they can go to? Are there people that they can ask to pray for them? And that's what I uh, was. Um, that's how the conversation went with this this gentleman uh, that I was speaking to. Um, and then, and then finally, I, I offered to to pray with, with that um, with him, uh, and so we prayed. Um, and so, and and I think that that that's a really important thing, actually, especially if you're talking to someone who is right in the midst of suffering. It, it's it's um, surprising how many people are willing to receive prayer, even if they're not sure. Yeah what they believe and so I would encourage people you know people not to be afraid to to offer that if you actually feel a feel that you know them you know or even if you don't necessarily know them it it never hurts to offer you know would you like me to, mm. to pray for you the, the worst they can say is no thank you or maybe they might say it in a slightly less, you know, in if they're upset. Mm. But that is the worst response that that you can have. Um, mm. So that that would be, yeah, yeah, that is one example of a conversation. It also occurs to me as you as you spoke, and of course the other thing which we we haven't got time to go into in in, in depth, but it also occurs to me that there's something too about the way that Christians suffer as a witness. You know, we've got we've got friends right now who who the husband has been in, in in hospital with a with a with a pretty nasty condition about the last two last two 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 and a half months so what we always thought we'd lost him on a couple of occasions mm-hmm. but what's interesting now that he's pulling through is the is the testimonies coming out about the impact of the way the family have dealt with that on nursing staff because yeah. they've seen nursing staff watch you know they've seen a lot and uh, if Christians bear suffering well and with grace and with hope and with joy, um, it's led some amazing conversations, yeah. actually. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a, that's an also an untapped area. We yes. all go through suffering at some point, yeah. and to be conscious of how we we suffer yes. when the eyes of the world are on us. Absolutely, and I, you know, there's no question that that God can bring all kinds of good out of suffering. Uh, there's no question, and in a world kind of full of horrendous evil and the and the reason we know that is because of the cross when all of the world's evil was thrown at one innocent pure blameless target an incredible good came out of that great evil um which is that you know you and I don't have to carry the weight of the world's evil and let it have the last word in our lives and that's because of what what Christ has done on the cross um and so there is there is hope actually you talked about hope earlier you know i end my my book with the the question can a broken story be fixed you know some of our stories are so broken you know can it be fixed and um you know well if god doesn't exist it can't there are just individual stories that are sort of mix and match um some religions talk about circular repeating stories um that you just kind of end up in this endless loop um 
eat, sleep, drink, repeat sort of thing. Um, but if, if God exists, then you fix a broken story by embedding it in, in a much bigger one in which good wins and evil loses. And that's what Christians mean when they talk about heaven. Um, not so much heaven, but a new heaven and a new earth where there'll be no crying or grieving or mourning or pain. And, um, and so there is present hope, but there's also ultimate hope as well, that this life is not all that there is, that one day evil will be removed. Um, yeah. That's a great place to end on that uh, on that note, uh, Sharon. So Sharon Derricks, uh, thank you so much for taking uh, 25 minutes to talk about some really actually quite deep issues. It's been a real privilege. Thank you for being on the podcast. That's a pleasure. And for folks who want to check out uh, Sharon's book, uh, there's the new edition of, of Why Looking at God, Evil and Personal Suffering. Uh, we'll put a link uh, in the show notes to where you can uh, pick up a copy. Hugely recommend uh, giving it a read. And uh, myself and uh, hopefully Christy will be back uh, in two weeks' time with a new guest and a new topic for another episode of Pep Talk. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>